0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, August 17th. I almost said Tuesday for some reason. It's Wednesday. Of course, it is. It's Destination Health Day, and it's also After Hours with Lauren and Kevin Day. So that's what we're. Kicking off right now, another episode of After Hours. Phone lines are wide open, so jump in and join us if you have any questions at all about health. Now's the time. The phone number 855-950-3835. Jump in and join us. Lauren is here with us as well. We'll hear from her in just a minute. You know, I have found a problem with my uh, restart of the show. Uh, this is something new. We're we're doing it so we can you know kind of separate our shows. It's easier to find everything in our app because if you're listening on our app, all of our shows are in there. You can listen to them forever. We try to keep them as organized as we can. Um, some of our um, future improvements in the app are going to make the organization and search of all our shows just incredibly powerful so we're looking forward to that Uh, but here's the downside Uh, I've talked about this for years Diesel knows um, when I end my show he knows what I say at the end he recognizes it and he also knows that we've been doing it for years after the show every day Diesel and I go for a walk Uh, it's a great break for me in the afternoon get out now i know i'm getting that optic flow i'm out in the sunshine i'm grounding um but every time i say that now to start a show diesel just came running over with his tail wagging he thought we were going for a walk but uh he's got to wait so we'll uh maybe he'll get used to that he's a pretty smart doggy so he'll figure it out all right it's time to bring in lauren lauren welcome back
1: Hey, Kevin. Great to be here. Uh,
0: Happy Wednesday. Yeah, happy Wednesday. Poor Diesel just came running up with his tail wagon, and he was smiling and happy, and I had to rain on his parade. Oh, poor thing. He's so used to hearing hearing my show close, and he gets all excited because every day we go for a walk. We've been doing it for years, and uh, now I threw him a curveball. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. poor thing!
0: Yeah, he'll figure it out. He's pretty smart. <laughs> I've been
1: dealing with my own animal situation over here. We were just outside, and there was a the tiniest baby, hairless animal that we thought could potentially be a rat, but it turns out it's just, it's less than five days day old um, squirrel.
0: Oh, really? Thing. Oh, oh,
1: yes. Yeah. And it's naked and it still has skin covering its eyes and its nose and its mouth is the only thing that's open Wow! and it's trying to figure out how to get back on in its nest. I didn't realize, I don't know. I don't know where it belongs. I thought I'll put it in a basket and see if its mom comes back. And then I just found another one and it didn't make it. I think my dog might've gotten it.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just sent me a picture of it. My God. That's so tiny and young. Yeah. Wow. It's
1: so tiny.
0: Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, oh.
1: So I have you, um, Ryan's on it. He, he's going to go see if he can take it to a shelter because we just don't know what to do. I know.
0: Yeah. That's a good idea. Find somebody they, that, uh, Lisa Lisa isn't listening to the show, but she saw the chat because she monitors the show chat. She's like, what the hell is that? Uh, It's a baby squirrel, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren found it. Um, Yeah, that's, uh, wow. You know, the the crazy thing, um, you know, this is the whole oxytocin thing. You know, no matter what, when we look at babies of any kind, baby animals, baby anything, we get that feeling, right? We want to protect them. That's oxytocin. Yeah. that's a, It's a incredibly powerful force. And here's the interesting thing, and I know this is probably going to freak some people out, but it's the truth. I look at that little baby in your hand, and I want to do everything I possibly can to save its life. Right. Same. I do. Yeah. You do too. Obviously. You're driving to clinics and you're, you know, you're you're doing a lot of work to save <laughs> this little baby squirrel. Right? We're driven to do that. Yeah. On the other hand, and I hate to say this, but if you save that squirrel's life and you let it go in the wild and someday I come upon it, I'll have no problem shooting it and eating it. <laughs> I, that's I know, so <laughs> right. True. I know. That's just and people who grow up on farms or around life, they understand that, right? I mean, kids in oh, 4-H, absolutely. you know, raise animals and name them and then eventually they might eat them.
1: I know. Well, that's the thing. That's why you can't name your farm I know. Animals
0: I know. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, a little at that. <laughs> <now. laughs> exactly. But we, we have that ability. As human beings, we see these baby animals. We are drawn to try to save them. And then later on, um, we have no problem killing them and eating them. That's how the world works, though.
1: I know. We actually, there was a, a deer that would come right up to us um, on my family's property. And we finally had to put a collar on it, a big pink <laughs> collar on it, so that everyone knew not to shoot Monica.
0: Oh, oh no.
1: <laughs> she, she was too friendly oh, to boy. not shoot Monica.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. She,
1: she is still around, actually. Oh, and good. She, for, gosh probably like 15 years now. Wow. I mean, it seems like 15 years Yeah, and she has two babies every single year. So we see her with two oh, babies. How cool. And yeah. They grow and go on their own and she's all, she always comes back to the same spot. It's funny.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We very actually cool. named that one. Sp- <laughs> Speaking of, of deer and, you know, knowing where you grew up and where you live, have you ever seen the key deer? No. No. Oh, you
1: gotta be like kidding. The- the ones that that live down in the Keys?
0: Just one That's just one island in the Keys. And I forget which one it is. It's no. somewhere near. I think it's Big Pine Key. Oh, Lisa just said it is. She okay, remembers them really well. It's a funny story. Um, Lisa and I were going down to the Keys to vacation. And, you know, both of us are big. We go research everything. We read everything before we go on vacation. We, so um, she was reading about these key deer. And they're on this Pacific Island. So we get to the island. She's like, go down this road. And I'm like, what? She's like, go down this road. There might be key deer down there. I'm like, what do you think? They're just standing around waiting for us. And I went down the road. Sure <laughs> enough, they were just standing there waiting for us. And they are so tame.
1: Oh, them.
0: Oh, they do. Because wow. you, you can tell. But here's the thing. They are about the size of a German shepherd with antlers. Oh. They're really tiny.
1: Like full antlers.
0: Oh yeah, the, wow. you you'll see the bucks have, you know, you know, they they might be a 4 point, a 6 point depending on if you're using eastern or western count. But yeah, they've got full antlers. They look exactly like deer. They're about the size of a German shepherd though, full grown. Wow, pretty
1: neat. I I have not seen those.
0: Yeah, <laughs> They're like mini. When you go across Big Pine, they even have all kinds of special signs. The the speed limit at night goes way down because, you know, these things get Mm -hmm. run over at night. And so they they work pretty hard to protect them there. But they're they're, I mean, if you go to Big Pine Kia, wander around a little while, you're going to see one.
1: Huh. Interesting.
0: Yeah, how did we get off on deer and wild? oh, the squirrel? That's right. Um, oh, but the that's squirrel, all. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all good stuff. Um, we've got some calls coming in. We're going to get to that whole carbohydrate thing. Would um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> An- Angie just said I saw a squirrel. Um, I got distracted. That's right. We saw a squirrel. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Really. Enough.
1: Yes, I was listening. I was definitely distracted with the squirrel, so I was kind of in and out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured you would be. Um, some of those uh, those hacks from this, uh, there's a five-hour podcast, and I want to go listen to the whole thing, but uh, somebody summarized it really well, and it was a podcast with an ex-Navy SEAL officer. And they are, like, all kinds of biohacks. Really, really interesting stuff, though. Um, I think I'm going to post it. Uh, kind of a recap of this when I get it all done. But there's like 15 things in there. Uh, There's some breathing stuff for stress, some really good ideas that um, I think I'm going to be incorporating into uh, the stress protocol. So it was... uh, Love
1: the sound of that.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, What do you say we take these two calls and then we... And we'll still... You can keep... Calling in, but uh, we'll we'll kind of take a minute or as many as we need and go through the carbohydrate thing. You put a lot of work into that. Perfect. Perfect yeah. All I right. mean, we're
1: not going to take hours on it, right? right definitely. Right. Definitely uh, deserves some attention.
0: Yeah, sure. it does. So, and and you know what was interesting? I uh, this is like the fourth time I've said we're going to cover that, and the last three times we didn't. I actually got a lot of complaints. <laughs> People got on me. They're like they they were actually one the one guy was defending you. He's like, Boy, Laura must be frustrated. She did all that work and Kevin keeps <laughs> Kevin keeps talking and blabbing and so uh, obviously a lot of people do want to hear it, so we will get to it. Let's uh, let's grab these calls. Yeah. Let's go to Colorado. Ernie, welcome to the program.
2: Uh yeah. I had a question so uh, Way back whenever I first heard about heart rate, you know, when I do motorcycle racing, and I heard them talk about heart rate, you know, on their racing, and I got me a New Balance watch, and it had a chest strap, and I would use that in my racing, and, you know, I'd have, like, a... a the 225 max heart rate, which seems high, but I guess they're just whatever they are.
3: Wait, well,
0: no, wait and a minute. Wait, wait. I want to understand this. Your heart rate got to 220 something, or that's what you've yeah. calculated? Oh. Yeah. Oh.
2: No, it, that, that's uh, wherever I was racing, my, I'd have a max heart rate of 225. And
0: then, like my average would be like one eighty, or you know. So, hold on a second, because that number sounds way too high to me. Um, what is your age?
2: Uh, whenever I, back then, when I first got that, I was probably about thirty six or thirty eight. Are
0: you still there. Are you still hitting those kinds of numbers now?
2: No, I I I've got the Garmin watch now and uh, last uh, like a couple weeks ago I was at a motorcycle race in Colorado up at ten thousand feet and I was I wasn't racing but I was helping people pull the motorcycles up the mountain and my max heart rate only got got to one sixty five and I was wondering if the if not having the strap, if it's maybe not as accurate.
0: Well, the straps are, well, I will say the straps used to be more accurate. The watches have come a long, long way with different types of sensors. And I would say today, I haven't tested a chest strap in a long time. I used to wear a chest strap all the time. I used to wear polar heart rate monitors and they all use straps. Uh, and the straps were the first devices that were able to read HRV. So back then, that was, if you wanted to read HRV back then, a couple of years ago, you had to use a strap. So I used one for that. But today's watches are really accurate. I I almost think. Man, when you hit that 220-something, that, that's pretty darn high. I, I don't know if that may have been inaccurate for some reason. 165 being at 10,000 feet doing what you're doing sounds about right. But again, it, it, that's still a little on the high side. Again, what is your age right now? I'm um, uh, 48. Okay, so uh, let me open up my calculator here because this is not a calculation I can do in my head, but it doesn't take long. Uh, I just need to open the calculator to do it. So let's see here. So you are, uh, let's see, heart rate max is, what is that formula? It is 217, now I got to calculate this first. Uh, 0.85 times your age, which is 48. Uh, That gives us 40.8 minus 217. So your max heart rate at your age now should be about 170 to 180. It calculates out to 176. Uh, So when you get hit 165, here's the thing, though we don't want to spend a lot of time way up there at our max heart rate. That is what we're shooting for when we talk about doing our high-intensity, short duration. And when I say short duration, we're talking seconds, not even minutes sometimes. When we do this, when we do, say, hit training, high-intensity interval training, you might do a 50-yard sprint uphill. Well, how long does that take us? 20 seconds? I mean, it's certainly not a minute. That wouldn't be a sprint. And then you walk back down and sprint up, walk back down. That's about the only time we want to be hitting those maximum numbers we'd rather keep our heart rate in in a moderate place for longer periods of time when we're doing our cardio but here's here's what this might be telling us if we if we hit these maximum heart rates all the time it tells us we're not in very good physical condition
2: okay well and and whenever i hit that max heart rate it's only means for like a few seconds, you know, and, and then it would drop back down. You know, like however you know, what it, particularly bad spot in the track, but there's a yeah. so, you know, so let like me ask, straight up a cliff, you might.
0: Let me ask you this, almost all of those um, devices, which one did you say you had?
2: That was a new balance. Now, I don't even think they make them anymore. Okay. I still got it. And, but and now you had a polar strap.
0: Yeah, polar is the big one in the straps and those kind of things. They they were about the only ones for a well, while that had it. But let me ask you this: You're wearing the Garmin watch now, right? Yeah. So your Garmin watch should give you your average heart rate. What is it? Your average resting heart rate.
2: Oh, uh, it's usually about. Uh, Oh, average, well, whatever you go to that page, it gives you the, the like, 58, does that sound right?
0: 58 would be correct.
2: heart rate?
0: Yeah, yeah, 58 would be correct, yeah. and 58 is actually a good resting heart rate. I mean, that's a really healthy number. Um, you might want to experiment, like go out and... Um, race and really watch you know and you said you have it just shoots up a couple times and that that's actually more of a stress response than anything else um, you may even want to go walk uh, at a pretty brisk pace and watch what happens to your heart rate it, it seems to me like you're hitting numbers higher than we should be for the activity
2: uh, well I and mean, I don't know I, just, I was like well, geez, I would think that I you know I was at 10,000 feet and, and, oh, I was, oh, we were on a steep hill with a bunch of wet roots and everybody was going down, okay.
0: so, i it, helping it, them carry it, it, it might be that but, what you're seeing is is more of a short-term stress response. You, what you want to look for is, is, again, if you can... Some of the devices, and I know some of the Garmin devices will do it, you can isolate the race, for example, and then go back and look. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. And I, I did that. I, I had it. I set it on cardio because I was like, well, I'm going to get a cardio workout. Right. No, here. That, that
0: would be good, yeah. <laughs>
2: and I did that for like two hours. So, for like two hours straight. I can't remember what day.
0: Okay, overall. I that, think
2: the overall average was like one
0: uh, that's, that's what we're looking for. And if your overall average was what, about 145, that makes a lot more sense. That's where I would have expected it. So I think what you're seeing uh, okay. is you're seeing a stress response that shoots your heart rate up, and that's normal. We're not worried about that. Um, I thought you were maintaining these numbers, like you were in that two twenty range for no. you know extended no. periods of time.
2: No, no, it was just.
0: no, oh, okay. Know, like, Good.
2: yeah, that'd be yeah, uh, your max. You know, the highest that the whole period. Is got been, it. Got
0: know? it. Oh no, it's, that that it is. is it went, now, what you're explaining to me is very normal, and it, your numbers are all good. You have a good resting heart rate, you have a good average heart rate when you are, you know, in intense um, movement, exercise, and you peak under a stress response. That is exactly the response we wanna see.
2: Okay, and, and but you, you say you're like, your average heart rate as you get older, or not your average, but your max heart rate as you get older, it's
0: lower? lower. Much lower, yeah. Significantly okay. lower. Like okay. I said, you... When
2: I first seen that, I was like, I, you know, I had to watch on, I come back and I looked at it, I was like, oh my God.
0: Yeah, I will... <laughs> I was like, I am will, I
2: going to die?
0: Yeah, I, I will tell you that at 59... It's almost impossible for me to get my heart rate up over 150. I mean, if I if I get to 150, ah. I am working hard and I feel it. I can't I can't stay in that zone very long. I mean, I get my best results if I stay in that zone about 120
2: to 130. Yeah, I well, I mean, that kind of makes sense. But, uh, yeah, whenever I first got that first one and, and I seen that Max 2.5, I was, like, I was like, and I kind of went looking to find out because I was like, man, that sounds crazy. And, and, and they acted like everybody just, you know, some people have a higher Max
0: well, they do. There's a lot of variability, but the the averages and our our normal guidelines usually fit most people here. But now we've gone through it; it, it makes more sense. It, it, I thought we were talking about keeping numbers like that for extended periods of time.
2: No, it was just you know,
0: like the the, the, the absolute max, max right? Um, okay, yeah, that's fine. No, yeah, your numbers yeah, your numbers very, sound good.
2: Very, I was also wondering my my Garmin. I've got the Garmin Instinct. When he first started talking about him, I got one, and it, my my the the steps and the stairs. Evidently, they just don't work right on you know. Because I'm bouncing in the truck, and he it, will come on. I'll actually even be sitting down sometime, You know, vibrate and say that I just made in
0: Hey, yeah, so this has always been an issue with every device that we wear on our arm. And most of the devices we do wear on our arm now, a ring, a watch, those kind of things. Um, this has been a problem from day one. I'll tell you one of the worst at this, I was shocked, was the Apple Watch. Holy cow. And I don't even wear the Apple Watch anymore. I, as much as I love Apple, I don't like the watch. Uh, I can remember times driving in the coach. I I'd be in the coach all day driving and I'd have 20,000 steps. It was that sensitive. Um, The other thing is gardening. Uh, If I'm raking or hoeing, uh, that arm movement is the same kind of arm movement that it senses when you walk. So I'll notice I get a big boost in steps when I'm doing things like that. Now, the new Garmin Watch and the new Garmin software, we actually started to address that with Garmin and they're working on it. They've made huge improvements. I don't think we're all the way there yet. But here's the thing. This has been a problem forever. Nobody addressed it because most people don't drive that much. It's not that. And in a car, you will notice it doesn't register as many steps because the car is so much smoother. So you don't get as much motion. So everybody's just kind of ignored this issue. Well, we, that's the beauty of, you know, us working specifically with truck drivers and partnering with Garmin. We asked for feedback and this is a big issue for everybody. So we went to Garmin and said, Hey, let's fix this. And one of the first ways to fix it was once that GPS registers that you're going more than say 15 or 20 miles an hour, you're obviously not walking, running, or on a bike anymore. So... We the the device tells it to stop tracking steps while you're at that speed. That was a pretty quick kind of hack to to at least improve that number a lot. Um, but we'll continue to work on that and improve it. Nobody's ever addressed it before.
2: Wow. Yeah, and same thing with the steps and stuff. And I also noticed, like, when I'm racing my motorcycle, whatever, and I'm in Kansas, and I'm, like, on the background, it'll say I have, like, an elevation change of 200 foot, and I'm not jumping 200 foot, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, or these,
2: going high. yeah,
0: yeah. Th- these devices it's not,
2: are, it's not that exact.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, these devices are still fairly new. They're changing constantly. Like I said, we just got some new sensors that um, we're using now. That's why we're getting more new data about HRV. These will continue to get better and better every year. And it's kind of frustrating because you go out and spend $400 on one of these devices and two months later, they've got a big improvement. Um, so I always go buy the newest. I spend a lot of money on this kind of stuff, but uh, I want to stay on top of it because I think this really is the key. I I have learned so much more about health that we didn't know or had completely wrong just because I'm able to see these readings now.
2: Yeah, and I, I tried to hook my watch to that that polar strap and evidently they must not connect.
0: It, it, probably not. The, yeah.
2: way, the way it sounded and uh, I was reading on the, in the book, it sounded like it was hooked
0: with a bunch of
2: different straps, but well it like has the, the,
0: so. the, the compatibility with straps is starting to go away because we don't need the strap anymore. We can really get the same information. That's what I talk about. These newer generation sensors are able to get that same information from our wrist. We don't have to. The chest strap used to work because it was right by your heart. And that's the, those are where we're trying to get the signals from. Right. But we, we figured out. So the, the straps except in real extreme cases, probably going to go away. I mean, the strap's kind of a pain, It's it's, and and we don't need it, so I'm glad I don't have to use it anymore. But these devices are constantly evolving, uh, which is good. I'm excited about it. But there's the downside of it's expensive after a while. And I don't want to keep coming on here and telling somebody, oh, well, you got to buy another watch. But if you want the new reading, you just have to. I mean, The the next thing that we're we're not quite there yet, I actually invested um, in a device uh, probably about two years ago on Kickstarter, Um, and there are several of them. They're trying to get to the point where we're able to measure blood sugar with these devices. We're not quite there yet. So this isn't going to end anytime soon. You just have to realize when you buy one of these things, you know, you're either going to have to keep buying a new one or you're going to have to realize you may not get all the readings that are in the new ones. Uh, Lauren, what do you think?
1: I think you're pretty right on with that. I personally don't track my heart rate much. I just, you know, for me it just hasn't been like a top priority thing.
0: I don't Um, really either. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, so. it I I look at my average once in a while, but very and and if I'm doing something specific and I want to know what that did to my heart rate, I look, but it's not a number that I pay much attention to. For one thing, it mine hasn't changed in years. So, it's not not a whole mm-hmm. not a point in measuring and staring at it all the time if it's not changing. Now, heart rate variability, that's the big one. Yeah. That's definitely. the one that I am exactly. learning so much from. Yeah.
1: And that's the one that I, I glance at, you know, I glanced at it once a day just to see, you know, from the day before um, using my, you know, my Aura ring. I um, Actually, I wanted to ask you, have you, did you find your Aura ring? Have you been using it with I, the Garmin?
0: I did. And here's the problem. I put it on, I charged it and put it on right before we left on this trip. And I'm so used to the damn Garmin. It lasts a month when I charge it. I didn't even think I didn't bring my aura ring charger with me. And that's a very, very specific charger. It's not like you just go grab a cable somewhere. (laughs) Um, So this morning, and I I hadn't even opened the software for my aura yet since I left. I thought, because the longer you leave it on, the better your readings get. So I thought, I'm going to give it some time. Well, it dawned on me this morning. Hey, you need to check on your aura ring. So I went to open the app. My battery's dead on the ring. So, and there's no way to know it. it That's the other problem. problem. There are no indicators on this ring whatsoever. So if you don't use the Mm -hmm. app, you don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on. So once I can get back and charge it, I've probably got, you know, three or four good days of data that will be there. Um, but I can't get to the data right now because my battery's dead.
1: Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I am curious to know when you do have some info on that, I'd be curious to know how accurate it is. Right. But that's that's pretty much as far as I go with tracking any kind of heart rate whatsoever on, on myself. Uh, like I said, though, it's probably cause the you know, it's probably because I'm relatively young and it's just not top of mind right now. Uh. And I,
2: I don't yeah. know
1: I can tell when my heart rate is oh, yeah. elevated like if I'm anxious yeah. oh I can tell for right
0: sure. right but
1: yeah I haven't, I haven't yeah gotten
0: it, the of I, I, I'm with you the heart rate itself it, it's good to know but it doesn't change a whole lot once you've studied it a little while then you, you kind of pretty much ignore it there are much better numbers out there um mm-hmm. when I kind of bottomed out on my HRV, which was on the trip. I wasn't working out at all. Um, um, when I'm in the coach, I just find it easier to sit down and do my show. When I'm in my office, I wander all over. So I'm walking. I, I get four and 5,000 steps during my show. Most days. Wow. I know it's kind of crazy how many steps I get just during my show. But when I'm in the coach, I tend to sit <laughs> um, when I do the show. Uh-huh. I should probably change that. I probably should just set this up so it's easier for me to get up and walk around. Um, oh, where was I? Go? Oh, I know what it was. So there was a lot of stress. Um, I actually got sick. I thought it was uh, COVID, but it wasn't. But I got really sick for about four days. Uh, and my HRV bottomed out at like 31, I think. Um, and that's just where it was sticking just about every day. So my goal was... Excellent. It actually worked out good. Excellent. I want to start from a really bad place and see how good my protocol works. So I think I'm going on three weeks now of being pretty consistent with this new version. And I just uh, reached my first goal. This morning, my HRV is at 51.
2: Oh, good. That's Great. A,
0: that's a big climb in a short period of time.
1: That
0: is. Yeah. That's that's, that's how powerful this protocol is. I'm really, really looking forward to working with other people on this and seeing, can we get those same kind of results?
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: So anybody out there, you don't have to wait for me to put together some sort of a formal program on this. I mean, I've talked about the protocol enough. The older version is online. Uh, The new one, we still have to get it all edited and get it up there. But, um, you you know the four parts. It's the the infrared sauna, or any sauna, any heat source. If you can't get infrared, that's the best. But any heat source, a hot bath will do a lot of the same things. You know, I used to wonder why you would have thought I would have been able to figure this out on my own. I used to wonder why I love hot baths, by the way. It's my favorite place to read. I know that's not a, I know that's not a manly thing, taking baths, but I don't care. Um, I love hot baths. My favorite place to read. I never realized. I would wonder why am I so damn thirsty when I get out of the bathtub? Oh. Well, were you sweating? Is yes. I hot? wanted hot your bath. <laughs> you do sweat. You just don't know it. It never dawned mm-hmm. on me. You're sweating the whole time you're oh, in that yeah. hot bath. That's why I'm so damn thirsty when I get out. So that's we're getting that benefit of deep sweating. That's a detox benefit. So even if the IR blanket is the best. Uh, IR blanket combined with the other light source, the device I'm working on right now, that's going to be even better if we can pull that off. Um, but any type of sauna, any type of heat source, hot bath, go out and, you know, do your movement workout on a really hot day out in the sun. Um, you're going to get those benefits. So it's the heat therapy, the cold therapy, the breathing therapy, and the resistance. Those four things do them consistently every day and track your HRV. And I'd love to get feedback from people. The goal is we just want that HRV to constantly go up. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's grab one more call. Then we're going to talk about carbohydrates and then we'll see what happens after that. All right, Bob in Kansas, right. what's on your mind today?
3: Hey, Kevin, I just, uh, I've called in about this book once before, but, uh, I've gotten deeper into it. <clears throat> and one of the interesting things is called a book called Ravenous. I don't know if you've ever read it. I haven't. The, 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 oh, you haven't? It's about a German scientist during the 1930s. They, the, he uh, he came up with the idea that cells that turn to cancer cells uh, were fermenting instead of respirating.
0: Oh, wait, and wait.
3: The, did... And what he noticed...
0: Does this have anything to do with the Warburg effect? Yes, sir. Okay. That's exactly what it is. So I haven't read the book itself, but I've studied Otto Warburg pretty extensively, so I know all about the Warburg effect.
3: Okay, exactly. So but the book is about, you know, him, it's not just about him, but it's about the like the, the other scientists in his spectrum, you know, all the other people that worked around him at this time, and how in the future that his work was picked back up again, and, you know, it it is being used today. The molecular biologists of today have, have gotten stuck, and so now they're returning back to his work, and how important his work was to cancer research, and how close he was really to solving it. He had, was just missing one thing yeah. in his research, and it, yeah. if, you know, if you know about the Warburg effect, you know that these cells are just gobbling up all the glucose they can yes. get, yep, and just out of control. But we, the one thing he didn't know—I mean, this is further back in the book—but one of the things he didn't know about was insulin at this time, right? I think he had what well, became aware of it, but it, I guess cancer cells have like three times as much. Insulin receptors as a regular cell. And so, what they're finding out in this more recent research, like starting in the 2000s, that as soon as apoptosis, that's what tells the cell to shut off when it starts having, you know, right. when it starts going awry. The body tells it to shut off apoptosis. is supposed to the, kill it.
0: The cell dies, but right. Because, yeah. because of these extra
3: uh, insulin receptors, it continues to gobble up this you know it continues to get the signal to keep feeding and it can't be stopped basically i mean anyways i just thought it was an amazing book and it, i've had to point it out to you again i just thought it is i actually I
0: i'm going to buy it this time even though i've done a lot of research on Otto Warburg i haven't read this book so i'll probably learn something new i'm going to get this one so thank you for reminding me again A um, couple things about this i find really interesting when you talk about these cancer cells that just gobble up glucose there there's one really easy way we know this A- and i want to clarify something the term cancer is very very generic there are dozens or hundreds of different types of cancers and they're not they don't share all the same things there are several cancers that are not so attached to glucose like this so we we can use a ketogenic low sugar low carbohydrate diet to help combat certain types of cancer other cancers not so much so you kind of as a practitioner you kind of have to know the differences they address that in the book. It's about seventy yep, percent of cancers that's about right. are these glucose yeah. eaters. so this is so important. Thirty percent, yeah. Are not. So this is important, but it's not all cancers. I just want people to understand there is a distinction there, and and as a practitioner, you kind of have to know which one you're dealing with. But for those seventy percent cancers, about the- here's one of the things they do: they take pure glucose and they dye it. And they inject it into your body so they can, they diet it so they can follow it because it will go straight to those cancer cells. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's one, actually
1: one a interesting test. thing
3: about the book is, is that in Germany there in like in the early 1900s, uh, German scientists figured out how to derive sugar from uh, beet, sugar beet. Yeah. Right. And, you know, at that time they had to like, they had to pull in sugar cane and it was very expensive. And so the, the, a German, a, a common Germaner would eat about one pound of sugar a year, a year. And by 1920 something a year, but, but in 1920 something, because of this sugar beet thing that they started in Germany, it, they were eating 15 pounds a year. Yep. And so. The, a a germ in this book, they said, during the 1920s, it, it went from I mean the 1910s to 1920 or 1920s. Yeah, it went from about one in eight Germans were were getting cancer, and so cancer research was very big in Germany at this time. And but the the crazy thing about this is that the Nazis were obsessed with cancer. Stopping cancer, figuring out how cancer started, and everything. But the weird, the, the crazy thing I, I really wanted to, that I learned today is that they were all basically vegans. The Third Reich and and, and Hitler himself—they were all these crazy vegans. Right. And they they started at this, they called it the Dachau Herb Garden. It was a two hundred acre garden where they grew this organic all these vegetables, and they 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 were. And each one of the concentration camps had one of these, and they would grow the most organic vegetables and fruits, and that. And I, I just I couldn't believe it when they were talking <sighs> about this, but yeah. Hitler was so, absolutely afraid of cancer, and most of the Third Reich was just right along with it. Go
0: ahead. Yeah, so so many things here to unpack. You, you said the average sugar consumption was one pound a year. You know what? In 2017 is the last statistic I, I found. You know what the average is in the United States as of 2017?
3: I think it's 19 or something. 126
0: mm-hmm. pounds of sugar a year. Oh, Jeez. That's the average in America oh. right now a 126 pounds of sugar it used to be one Don't tell me that it isn't our diet killing us and our diet hasn't changed drastically you know, Sugar cane is really expensive to grow. It's really labor intensive. There are only a few places in the world that can grow it successfully. And sugar was outrageously expensive. You know, there was a time when tooth decay was a status symbol. Rich people had tooth decay and it was a status symbol. You knew somebody had money if they had rotten teeth. Isn't that crazy? Uh. Yeah, here's the so there's another good uh, kind of an analogy here. If we if we look at Otto Warburg, he said based on his research that cancer is a metabolic disease. That's why insulin was important and sugar was important, and it was a metabolic disease. Except there was a whole bunch of other scientists that said no, it's not. It's genetic. So we have we have worked decades on this idea that cancer is genetic. We've wasted all this money. We continue to waste money because we still believe that. Otto Warburg said, no, 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 it's not genetic. It's metabolic. And if, if it's metabolic, that's good news. We can't t- change our genetics much. We can turn on a few switches, genes here and there. That's not even easy. But we can change our metabolism in 24 hours. So knowing that cancer is metabolic is good news. That means we can do something. But here's the analogy. The same thing happened in the 50s. We had one guy who was saying, Judkin, I think was his name. Uh, I'll think of his whole name here in a sec. Judkin? That doesn't sound right. Something close to that. He was the one, and this is in the 50s, he was screaming, "Hey, wait a minute, guys. All this these heart attacks, these heart issues, all of this stuff that we're just starting to see health-wise we never used to see, it's sugar." It he wrote a book called White White Pure and Deadly, and when you think of that you think yeah, of cocaine, yeah. but it, he was talking about sugar. And he was the one screaming, "No, guys, this is all sugar except um Our K-ration guy, what was that guy's name? Um, My God, we talk about him all the time. Ansel Keys. Ansel Keys, the guy who invented K-rations. He came along and said, oh, no, it's not sugar. It's fat. And he came up with his seven-country study, which he, he cheated. He lied that the original study involved more countries. And when you go back and look at his original data, when he included all the countries, you can see a clear correlation between sugar and heart disease. But when he cheated and he, Cherry-picked the seven countries that made it look like fat was the problem. That's what got published. Right when he was doing that, our president had a heart attack in office, and we all started focusing on heart attacks and fat, and it has destroyed our health. Same thing. One guy was out there screaming, you got it all wrong, here's the right way, but he was ignored.
3: Ansel Keys is too much of a personality, yes, I think, for that
0: time. that's, that's what they... everybody yep. else down. What, yep, they said he was very you know, powerful, they, they, very influential, and, and he was like an egomaniac, and he was willing to lie just so he didn't have to say he was wrong.
3: That's right. They say that, you know, going back to the cancer thing, that the cancer is like overfeeding the cells too much. It's like a village that's getting too much wood delivered into the village. The village is going to start building stuff with all this extra wood.
2: (laughs) And then the wood is laying around and
3: piling up and starts, uh, and then it catches on fire inside of the village, you know. They they can't control all of this extra fuel. And that's what the, that's kind of what the mixture of Otto Warburg's work in the 1930s and the new research, you know, with the, with the, you know, the gene research and stuff right. like that, that, that these two things are starting to combine to solve the cancer problem.
0: I think. Excellent. Bob, great call. Thank you for that. I got to make sure I get this book and read it. Cause it sounds like there's some really good stuff in there.
3: It, it is yeah. really interesting.
0: Really yeah, sounds
1: I'm to read it myself. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is a good one.
3: Hey, you guys have a great
0: day. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, that's a great—that uh, is a great, great segue into carbohydrates. Yeah, it really is. Because that's, that, yeah, that's the that problem here. Yeah, that's the problem here, and we're going to say it. You know, there are a lot of people out there that say we have to stop villainizing a certain nutrient or macronutrient or food, saying this food is bad, that food's good. There are a lot of people out there that believe we should stop doing that that they believe in that whole mantra of everything in moderation and you'll be fine well i could believe that if we could get rid of all of the food that's produced in a factory take it all away and now i would say yeah pretty much in everything in moderation you'll be okay because you couldn't overeat carbohydrates if you tried If all we have to eat is natural food. But the problem is it's not natural food anymore. It is. It's not even food. It's a mess. And when we find out we used to eat one pound of sugar a year and now we eat over a hundred. Of course that this Mm. nutrient is a problem. So we are going to villainize a nutrient. We should not be eating those amounts of carbohydrates. It's not natural.
1: No, it's not. It's not, but you know, it, like you said, we shouldn't villainize. I We should villainize, but I kind of feel as though I mean, moderation is one thing, but what is moderation like, exactly? To one person, it's one thing, right? Yeah, and to right. another, it's something completely different.
0: If you know, oh, I agree. L- l- yeah, let's use that example right there. If you know that a human being. We're not even talking about hunter-gatherer human beings. We're talking about human beings. This one happened to be in Germany, and I'm going to assume we're talking about the early 1900s. This is still a civilized world. You know, we're not living out in a cave somewhere. And in a civilized world, about 100 years ago, we only ate one pound of sugar. One. Something has gone horribly wrong.
1: It has. It definitely has. So, yeah, carbohydrates. This is good. Yes. We're on the right yes. track here. That's
0: right. <laughs> so, what kind of carbohydrates <laughs> should we not vilify? We don't have to vilify all carbohydrates, but um, we really have to take that number way down and focus on the natural carbohydrates we would have received as hunter gatherers which really just means vegetables and starchy roots and fruit.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think we can pretty much simplify it by saying, well, first and foremost, like you just said, that not all carbs are created equal. There are, you know, two, basically we can break it down into two different categories. We can break them down into simple carbs, which are sugars and starches, which have basically been stripped of all their natural fiber and nutrients that are attached to them. And then we've got complex carbs, which are in the whole food form and are not processed. You know, they still, you know, remain intact and when you're cooking them and stuff like that.
0: One of the things I think we need to talk about, I'm not sure how we explain it, because that that two types of carbohydrates have been around for a long time. Most people that talk mm-hmm. about this though They want to talk about grains as being complex carbohydrates. They think of sugars as simple carbohydrates, and they think of grains and starches as complex carbohydrates. That's kind of sort of true, but it's very, very misleading. The way you just described it is much better. Unprocessed unprocessed carbohydrates are what we're looking for. So don't get confused thinking whole grain bread is complex carbohydrates. And that would be good for us because here's, here's what we would mean by unprocessed. If you want to go out into a field of wheat and start chewing on the stalk, that would be an unprocessed carbohydrate. It wouldn't be good for you, but nobody's going to do that. No human being ever decided to just start chewing on a stalk of wheat. We immediately knew we had to grind it and process it and strip it. And so that, that older idea of complex carbohydrates being starches and grains, we have to make sure people understand that's not what we're talking about here. And you, you explained it well, but I want to make sure people understand that. Unprocessed. The food that you're going to eat that has carbohydrates, you're eating that food the way it exists in nature. You're eating a head of broccoli. You're eating an apple. You're eating a sweet potato. Those all have Mm -hmm. carbohydrates, but they're all completely natural and unprocessed.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so, and the differences as well, you know. There, do, there are issues that can arise with complex carbs as well as simple carbs. And the issues that can arise are, are specific to mainly grains and legumes because they can promote inflammatory, you know, inflammatory responses. Um, they can lead to leptin resistance, which basically increases your hunger. They can lead to metabolic syndrome and obesity because, you know, your increased hunger and stuff like that. And that's mainly going to come from things like the grains and the lagoons. So, you know, they they can promote dysbiosis and stuff like that, as well as digestive issues. Yes. Because we we do work with people who have things like SIBO and, you know, and different issues like that. Um, Even though they're eating the complex carbs and they're staying away from the simple carbs, there are still, you know, the complex carbs are not perfect. Not all of them are perfect.
0: Yes, exactly. And my best analogy for this, again, I've been talking about it for a year plus now, um, is really the show alone. Go out in the wild. You're never, ever going to overeat carbohydrates. It's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. There just aren't that many carbohydrates that exist in nature. And the ones that do exist are hard to get to, hard to cook, hard to eat. That alone is a limiting factor. it's, It's... You know, it's much easier and you watch the show, you see this in real life. It's so much better to go kill one big animal and you'll eat on it for days or weeks or if it's big enough, even months, if you know how to preserve it. And you're getting zero carbohydrates there. You're getting great fats, great proteins, the macronutrients we we really kind of thrive on. And then occasionally we fill in with plant food. I really believe that that's and, and you see it on that show. The the gatherers struggle. They're always hungry. They have no energy. They're trying to decide, is it even worth it for me to try to go gather these roots or these berries? Because it feels like I'm spending more energy gathering them than I'm getting from them. I really believe that most of those foods were really just emergency foods when we didn't have an animal to kill.
1: hmm I agree. I mean, there are very few, you know, plant foods that you would really find that you could eat in nature, unless you were like on a tropical island right, and there was right, an abundance right. of fruit, yeah, or yep. you know, somewhere you know in the mountains where there's you know tons of fruit trees. I mean, you have like cherries and apples and yeah, stuff like that that are growing.
0: But wild. even but even then, you, you know, if you out. go to the tropical locations, you can probably access fruit all year long. You come up here where the mm-hmm. cherries, the apples, the peaches, all the stone fruit comes from right up here where I am now. Um, that's very seasonal.
1: Yep, it is seasonal. You're right.
0: Very short season. Yeah. Too. It's,
1: not, yeah. You know, it's not even six months out of the year.
0: No, no. You got <laughs> a couple a months to gather some berries and gather some fruit and then that's done. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the role of carbs in the body, because I know that we talk about, we're constantly talking about reducing carbs and there's a reason for that because most people we're working with are eating the standard American diet and they have entirely too many carbs in their diet. And, you know, basically I think that it's important, you know, that we, we do know that there isn't, there is a role that carbs play. So let's just go over some of those things here. So carbs and fat are the two main energy sources. They, you know, carbohydrates provide fuel for the brain. When it comes to the brain, carbs are used first, and if there's no glucose, then we do know that we can tap into our fats and break those down to make ketones, and the brain can use ketones for energy. So that's important to know. Yep. Yes, you know, the the the, the primary of energy for the brain is going to be, you know, glucose, but the brain can also use ketones. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about, about ketones here, and I think it's it, important to note that the brain can use ketones as well.
0: Let's talk about that for just a second. I want to go back to the hunter gatherers, yeah. the show alone, a great example of this. Um, in yeah. our modern world, for most people, by far, not even close, how many days out of your life did you have no access to food whatsoever? Oh, none. Never. Zero. No, it's Zero. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't happen. We have food every day if we want it. The only people that don't eat are the people who choose not to eat who are fasting. I mean, otherwise there's food. It's there all the time. Watch the show. How often do they have access to no food? Almost all the time. It's their whole focus it's trying to find food. They spend all day long looking for food. Here's the thing. We run out of carbs per se. We, we convert carbs to um, glucose and then glycogen. And we can only store about 2,000 calories of glycogen. We can burn through that in about 24 hours if we're active. You burn through the glycogen, you're done. Your body has no more access to carbohydrates until you can eat again. It might be 24 hours, might be 48, might be 72. Who knows when you're actually going to be able to eat again. And if the only thing you eat is an animal, which is common, you're not going to get any carbohydrates from that. So as hunter-gatherers, it was not uncommon to go days at a time with zero carbohydrates. Why did we function so well? Because not only can our body take fat or protein and make ketones out of it, it wants to. It likes it. Our brain loves ketones. Our ketones are so good for our brain. We think that fueling our brain on sugar all the time, which Americans do, leads to Alzheimer's and dementia. So Mm -hmm. when we say the body can use these other forms to make glucose, we should probably emphasize that all the evidence seems to be that's the preferred way our body should be working.
1: Yeah. Studies do show that, that, um, it's neuroprotective for our our brain to use ketones as opposed to glucose. So yeah, there, for people who have Alzheimer's and they're, you know, they're suffering from that kind of thing they do recommend a uh, a more keto
0: This is a little off track, but I just looked down at my notes and I said I had notes all over the board today. I just had all these odds and ends I wanted to talk about. One of them was the rates of autism. And I just looked up some new research. They are horrendous in the United States now. Oh my, I I was shocked (sighs) at how bad. Um, The very first thing they talked about to treat autism because basically we have nothing to do for kids who are autistic. We don't have drugs. We, we have almost no answer. You're autistic deal with it. Here's some strategies. Turns out one of the most powerful tools to help autism. This is a child who's already been diagnosed. They have it. One of the most powerful tools is a ketogenic diet.
1: Wow. I definitely believe that.
0: Yep. And we know it was the go-to I mean, treatment for seizures in children, which is a brain disorder. There's so much yeah, evidence. Our yeah. brain loves ketones.
1: And, and Natasha uh, Campbell McBride, her gap diet is very, it's, it's very low in, in carbohydrates.
0: Which means it's Mainly, ketogenic. You know,
1: broth and protein. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and, you know, I try to make people understand, we talk about all these diets, keto, carnivore, AIP, there's all kinds of them. Many of those diets are ketogenic. Even though we don't call it keto, they are ketogenic diets because when you eat that way, your body will start producing ketones. And we can take any type of eating and make it ketogenic just by keeping the carbohydrates low.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: All right. Good stuff. What All else right. you got? So,
1: uh, yeah. So carbs are also a good source of antioxidants and micronutrients. So that, that's one of the things that, that we talk about, you and I, when we talk about um, the, car, you know, the carnivore diet and how we feel that adding fermented foods could be beneficial. Yes. Because we're feeding our microbiome and we're getting those micronutrients are actually, you know, I don't know how many times more potent when you ferment the food, but you're getting a lot more, you know, it's basically activated food that's enhanced. It's it's a super food when you, when you eat fermented foods. And so adding those to a carnivore diet is, can be beneficial for sure.
0: I agree. So,
1: you know, Supporting the immune system to help fight infections and stuff like that. Uh, Another thing about carbohydrates are, um, and this goes into it, you know, like they're a good source of fiber. So those fermented foods are also a good source of fiber. And that's what's feeding the microbiome. Uh, Other than that, uh, they're also, they can help support the hormones. And when I say stuff like this, I'm not saying that a lot of carbohydrates, because it's all about balance. And if you're having too many carbs, then it does the opposite. It doesn't support the hormones. It, it actually, you know, can can harm hormones. It, and so uh, without glucose, our thyroid output uh, can decrease and our testosterone can fluctuate and, and actually become very low without without some carbohydrates. And I, I mentioned that, and I should mention, I don't know how, if you've been following Paul Saladino lately, so, you know, I don't know if, if everyone remembers, he's the one who wrote the carnivore code. I,
0: I have but, been following uh, been him lately, and carbs. I know, and he's been talking about very, very specific carbs. He's getting heavy into fruit.
1: Yes. Yes. Fruit and honey, Yeah. He, yeah. he started out as zero-carb carnivore, where he was just eating right. meat, organs, and fats. And that was it. And he was doing that for two years. And then he realized he was having little, he, he was noticing you know, little things. He was suffering through workouts. His um, mineral balance, you know, his minerals were, in, were not balanced. He was you know, low in electrolytes. And he knew this because he was waking up in the middle of the night with heart palpitations. Yeah, And so he, he was trying to figure out what was going on.
0: You know, let me, let me
1: those-
0: interrupt real quick. Um, I had a call this morning. Yeah, He said, I, I've got two things going on. I don't know what's happening. Um, he said, I, I'm getting these weird muscle cramps in my stomach muscles. And he says, I have this weird thing happening with my heart. Like it doesn't feel right. And I said, oh, with those two, this is a slam dunk. It's minerals. This is mineral balance. That's all this yep. is. Now here's. Yeah, I, I want to expand on that a little bit. We can get a lot of our minerals from vegetables, and then we're going to get carbohydrates. All vegetables have some carbohydrates attached, which is fine. That's what we're talking about, whole food carbohydrates. The problem comes in. You could eat a mountain of produce today, and if it's all naturally raised, you're getting almost no minerals. Mm, that's true. We have to be careful about that. So now you're getting a boatload of carbohydrates with all the vegetables and fruit you might be eating, but if it wasn't raised properly, there may not be many minerals in there at all.
1: That is very true. Our soils are so depleted of minerals. I definitely recommend people supplement with, with minerals, no matter who you are and what kind of diet you're eating, because I just don't think anyone's getting enough.
0: And And realize that even though our organic food supply isn't ideal and people cheat and it's not as good as we would hope it would be, it's still better. Significantly better yeah. than regular produce. So the order of produce you should look for. Let Let's um, Let's kind of put this in perspective. The first one is my garden. You should try to get all of your produce out of my garden. Um, because I load my soil up with minerals. I supplement soil all naturally. Um, I use plant food that adds minerals, and I'm being facetious. This could be your garden, too, if you did it like this and you followed all those regenerative farming practices. That would be the ideal produce. That's the best you're going to get. And what happens the second we pick a piece of produce or cut it? Pull it out of the ground. Oh, it starts deteriorating. Some of the nutrients start to go down in amounts. We lose nutrients. So now when I have a garden and I can literally walk out back, pull a couple beets out of the ground, go steam them, load them up with butter and salt and pepper and eat them, I'm getting the most nutrients possible. Now, how old do you think the beet is you're buying at the store? Oh, weeks possibly months when we talk about root vegetables they store really well if you store root vegetables at the right temperature and humidity they'll last a year
1: yeah yeah oh gosh yeah well who knows who knows what you're getting nutrient wise almost
0: nothing probably so your garden The next would be farmer's markets or buying directly at farm stands, buying directly from farmers in your area. That would be the next. After that, we go to organic produce at, you know, a higher end store, um, like a Whole Foods, a Sprouts, those kind of places. Then we move on to maybe organic food at your local grocery store. And then at the bottom of the barrel, um, honestly, is standard you know, industrial raised produce. And I would almost say, don't even bother eating it. Yeah. Because we also have to remember in many of these vegetables, look, we're trying to get the nutrients and the minerals. If it was raised wrong, they weren't there Mm -hmm. in the first place. If it's been stored a long time and it takes a long time to get to me, which it does, um, that's a problem. We also have to remember, aren't there things in almost all vegetables that we don't want?
1: Yes, there are anti-nutrients.
0: Absolutely. And, and guess what? Those don't go away because of the way we raise them.
1: No, they don't. There are better for you ones. So the less, yes. the less yes. toxic are the, the fruit yep. because in nature they're sweet. So we're naturally, you know, attracted to them and, you know, animals and humans are, you know, supposedly when you eat them, you're, you know, usually ingesting some seeds. So and you're spreading it exactly. around and doing right. the plant a favor. Right. So all of that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. So fruits are, are really the, the less toxic, but you know, you also don't want to eat just a bunch of sugary fruits because <laughs> fruits are not made. They're not, they're designed right. now to be super high oh, in sugar oh, as opposed crazy. to their wild, you know, ancestors. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It's not the same, it's not the same apple that your great grandparents were eating. That's
0: you know, I, sure. I have a great example of this right in my garden. I am growing what are basically wild strawberries. They're alpine strawberries. They're mm-hmm. one of the earliest wild versions of strawberries. They are really, really tiny. Like a, a good sized strawberry I get off some of these plants are like the size of a pea. That's how small these oh, strawberries are.
2: Wow. They are tart. <laughs> they're tiny.
0: They are tart and sour. Now, right down the row from them, I have, you know, modern strawberries that I can grow the size of a golf ball almost. And they are outrageously sweet. Mm. Golf
1: balls are that big. Oh,
0: I it, Close. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but they're, they're I can get really, really big strawberries off these things, and they are crazy sweet. I mean, they're delicious. I love them, but oh, that's, that's that's I've... not natural. As hunter gatherers, we no, were I'm eating not... those. We were eating those tiny little alpine sour, you know, tart strawberries. Mm-hmm. That's
1: true. And the other things that grow, you know, wild that you would see are like blackberries blueberries, things that really aren't that sweet in general. Yeah, they're, they're sweet and they have been, you know, bred to be sweeter, but for the most part, those are like lower glycemic, you know, fruits. It's not like eating a mango.
0: And none of, and none of the things like phytates or oxalates or lectins or fruit Mm -hmm. doesn't have any of those things. It doesn't. You're right. And you explained why earlier. uh, uh, A vegetable doesn't want to be eaten because we have to kill the entire plant to eat it. When you eat a stalk of broccoli, Mm -hmm. you kill the whole plant. It's gone. And everything in nature wants to live and reproduce. So that's why the plants have those chemical uh, protectants in there, the lectins, the phytates, that they don't get eaten. Those plants don't want to be eaten. Mm in nature fruit it's the opposite that's why fruit is colorful so we can see it easily so we can find it um most aren't most vegetables green yeah they're hard to find in nature aren't they
1: they are because everything's green right (laughs) because
0: everything's green it's hard to find them how hard is it to find Mm -hmm. a ripe cherry
1: oh no it's jumped right out at you
0: it's like a beacon you can see it from a mile away or a ripe red apple or a, a bright yellow banana bright orange mangoes we see them the the fruit wants to be eaten so it doesn't have any of those chemicals in there to, to try to keep us away from eating it and you explained why the way that, because those plants want to want to reproduce. And the way they reproduce and spread themselves is we eat the fruit, we carry the seeds around, we poop out the seeds, a new plant grows, uh, works great.
1: Exactly.
0: We even deliver the seed with a load of fertilizer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it is interesting that that Saladino is now getting into fruit and honey, and I'm watching this pretty closely. I've said forever, once I got my weight and my blood sugar under control, which happened in the first three months, um, I've been eating fruit every day since then. I talk about it all the time. I eat fruit every day. Not a ton, maybe one apple, sometimes maybe one apple and one banana. I might have an apple at lunch and not even think about it and have a banana later in the day. Um, I do use quite a bit of honey um, and My God, I've got a honey. People keep sending me honey out of the blue. Like I just got honey the other day. I don't even know who sent it. I know it is. Um, So I've got honey all over the place. I love honey. Uh, Again, I'm not going to eat, you know, a cup a day. But I'm going to put a teaspoon in my tea and, you know, put a little bit in my yogurt once in a while. Or um, So I, I'm really interested to, to continue following Saladino on this and see where it goes. It almost feels like yeah, he's thanks. he's pushing it a little hard, but maybe not. I mean, the guy does a tremendous amount of research. I I trust a lot of what he's said and done already. So I'm not totally buying into this yet, but I I, I eat fruit every day.
1: He's funny. He started going into, just recently, I noticed he's going into grocery stores and someone's videotaping him. And he asks the guy who's stocking the produce, you know, how he's a vegan. <laughs> and there's no way he can be healthy if he's
2: a vegan.
1: <laughs> and then just, I like think yesterday, he was at Mayo Clinic and you can see it, you know, the sign in the background. And he's talking about how wrong, how doctors have it all wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's
1: just cragging up. He's, He's really funny. We need but more yeah, people it, it, it like that. An interesting one to follow. We do. We definitely do. But his testosterone was really low. And since he started incorporating some more carbohydrates, he's noticed it coming back up. So it, it, it is interesting. It's, he's on to something. Um, I, definitely someone to keep following. But And he's the first to admit, I, I didn't have it all right when I wrote that book. You know, you know, I was literally eating zero carbs. And now I'm adjusting it
0: um you know i think we need to get him on the show
1: that would be wonderful
0: yeah i think we need to get him on the show i'd like to talk to him about this his his research is excellent Um, so much good stuff there uh and and again and you know what you almost always find this with good natural practitioners i've talked about this before one of the biggest mistakes in our medical community always has been this way it's still this way it might even be worse they never want to admit they got something wrong ever I know. and they get a lot wrong just admit it admit it and move on everything will get better nobody's going to shoot you because you admit you made a mistake just admit it mm-hmm. god don't don't make the the problem worse by never admitting it and our medical community is horrible at that, but I see most good natural practitioners are completely willing to say, "You know what? We just got that one wrong."
1: Yep, yeah, it's true, and you see it in the health in the health world. You know, you see it a lot because a lot of those people, at some point, most of them were vegan or vegetarian, or you know, even raw vegan. Yep. They were so, you know, drastic on the other side of things and they realized how quick, not quickly, because some of them, it took years for them to realize how it, how bad their health was getting, but that's the thing. They, they admit it because they know yeah. that they were wrong, that those diets they were following didn't
0: suit them. Yeah. You know, for me, it took me about six months to start to question whether or not, now the first three oh, months, that's pretty quick. the first three months of being a vegetarian, I thought it was the best thing I ever did. I felt amazing.
1: Oh, I bet you felt great.
0: I did. I felt amazing. Uh, But at at about six months, I started thinking, I'm not feeling so amazing anymore. And where did this come from? And why am I gaining weight? How can you gain weight as a vegetarian? That was what was in my mind. How do you gain weight as a vegetarian? Uh But I was. I was gaining quite a bit of weight, actually. And I started to question it. But you know what stopped me from questioning it? That old theory of well, that's just what happens as you get older. <sighs> no, it's uh, not. But I believed it. I kept saying, exactly "No, this not. this has to be healthy like this." So if I'm eating like this and I'm suffering these other things, it's just because I'm getting older. That's such. I was third. I was in my thirties then. You know, I'm going to be sixty um, next year, and I don't have. Any of those problems? Eating the way I do now—keto, carnivore—you know, hunter-gatherer—it's it, just every now and then an issue comes up. We usually figure out what it was and we move on. But it, what a difference! I mean, and it took me mm-hmm. took me almost three years to finally give up the vegetarian thing.
1: Wow! Yeah, I mean, some people hold on to that. They are firmly not even some, and they get so emotionally invested in it that i forgot i forgot who it was but they were getting death threats because they they started introducing uh animal foods into their (laughs) diet and they the vegan community completely turned on them and they were literally getting death threats they're like we're not even telling people that they should do it we're just saying that we're doing it and they were threatened by people Unbelievable. You know,
0: I'm going to give you another quick example and I'm going to keep all the names out of this because some people might recognize some of the names. Um, There was a time we were going to some parties locally. We we had made some new friends and we were, you know, going to parties more often and um, we would be asked to cook. we love to cook. We cater events and this was a little more informal. Hey, why don't you bring this and, you know, we'll make that. And, um most of the food that was available at the parties was raw. The the uh. person was a raw foodie so and very well trained though. Do you realize, you know, you went through chef training, same chef training my son mm-hmm. went through. There's a really good program out there for to train raw food chefs. Pretty incredible. I mean they oh, yeah. they make crazy stuff. You look at it and you go, "Wow, that's wild." But the problem is. Oh, Kevin, I, I was. Oh, go ahead. I was invited to a dinner
1: and it was five courses of raw food, <laughs> and it was just. I mean, I even had warm soup. Like the temperature was just at that point where it was still technically uh, not harming any of the enzymes in the vegetables.
0: One. It was an
1: incredible meal. One don't four- get me wrong.
0: <laughs> one fourteen, I think. Um,
1: I think you're right. I yes. think
0: that's. I think it's one fourteen. Um, So, you know, I'd go to these and I'd see this food and it was incredible because it was really well done. I mean, this was somebody very well trained and I'd eat it and I'd go, wow, that's that's pretty good. Pretty good. The more I'd eat it, the more I'd think, "Eh, well, it's just kind of okay." Um, And what would happen? We would bring all the real food. I mean, the things they would want us to make, Lisa and I would be like ribs and, you know, real food. You'd go to the party, and even though these people were all into it, it was the real food that disappeared at the party. And by the end of the party, oh, there was sure there was, was piles of that other stuff left.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to admit though, there were there there was a restaurant in Southern California when I lived there. That was it was the temperature. It was like I think it was like one fourteen or one forty or something like that, and. liked it. The food was good. I ate there only a handful of times, but I don't know what it was in the food that I, I literally had to, had to use the restroom like within the hour. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That was, I did, I I forgot all about that part. That was another part of it. I I would eat that stuff and not feel right. It's like, what, what just went wrong? Yeah.
1: And and I would I would get hungry like an hour. Oh,
0: absolutely! Yeah, you you when you eat like that, you will end up just like the animals that eat nothing but plants. Don't animals who eat plants eat all day long? They graze all day (laughs) long. I would
1: graze all day.
0: Yes, and when humans do that, it's a bad thing. Our metabolism is not designed to be eating all day. No, it's
1: definitely not. No. They have like how many
0: stomachs? Cows? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. The agricultural people are all yelling at. All the people who grew up on farms are yelling at us the radio right now. It's three, you idiot. I don't know if it's three. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I know. But they have multiple stomachs. (laughs) I I should know. Yeah, I should know too. Uh, uh, Angie just said four, and I trust Angie. She's been around animals. I do too. (sighs) All right.
1: Oh, so who should be on a low-carb diet? Yes. Let's see. We've got anyone with blood sugar imbalances, people who are overweight with weight issues, anyone with a digestive disorder like SIBO or GERD or um, anything like that. We have people with neurological disorders like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, um, mental health disorders um, like even depression, I mean, we're, we're learning more and more about that lately. Um, we want to make sure that you know we're staying on the lower-carb side. Uh, girls who have PCOS um, and then cancer, we talked about that earlier with a call. Um, most cancers, I think he said 70% of the cancer cells uh, need glucose to fuel them. Yep. And so, I do have here noted in my notes that Low carb diet is best for brain, prostate, and colon cancer. So, if, if anyone was wondering, the certain cancers. Oh, good. Um, I only oh, have good. three of them noted. There could be more. I'm sure there are more, but brain, prostate, and colon cancers definitely feed on glucose for fuel. So that's important. To Excellent. Know. Yeah. Um, and then, and then also people who should not be on the low carb: um, women who are trying to conceive, pregnant, or lactating most likely do not need to be on a low carb diet. Moderate carbs um, are, are more than, you know.
0: So let's, let's do this. Let And I know this is mm-hmm. all over the board and there's not a clear definition on this, but let's set a couple numbers so people know what we're talking about. Um, what would you consider yeah. to be that number of carbohydrates that if we stay under that number, we would consider that low carbohydrate?
1: I think, oh, well, huh. low would be like 15% carbs.
0: Uh, let's do a number of grams. Modern- I think people have an easier time with that. How many grams of carbohydrates? Okay. And I know that's not perfect, but I think people have an easier time understanding that than percentages.
1: Okay. So for very low, 50 grams for women, 65 grams for men. For low, that would be for women fifty to seventy-five grams, and men sixty-five to hundred grams. For moderate carbs, we're looking at men at one to two hundred grams, women seventy-five to one fifty, and a high-carb diet would be anything over two hundred for men and one hundred and fifty for women. And this is just something that I've pulled from you know from the internet. This is yeah. You know, right. I'm sure this is controversial. Everyone has different I, opinions on this type of thing. Well, I was
0: about to argue it already.
1: I don't think of percentages. I'm sure you, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you I Yeah,
0: I was about to argue it already. <laughs> um, men or women, anything over a hundred, and you better be pretty damn active. That's the other thing we need to throw in here. Yeah. The activity. Yeah can help alleviate the problems of carbohydrates because we burn them so much faster that they're not available to cause problems. Because you said earlier, carbohydrates are a great source of energy. There's no doubt about it. Um, So we can use them as energy. And if we keep that amount low enough, then we're not going to have a problem. So your level of activity is a big factor here. Um I I don't think any human being should be talking about over 150 unless they're really really active and that may be even pushing it. Um I think 100 might be our upper threshold for most people today if they want to be healthy. The other thing we have to remember, we have to reverse years and years or decades worth of damage.
1: Mm, I know, and that's the thing. Due to the standard American diet, which is loaded in processed food, right. many people are already metabolically broken. Right. So, so we have to remember these people are not going to tolerate carbs until they fix that metabolic dysfunction. Yep. So yep. carbs are really for those who are metabolically healthy, and that's and that is the key thing here that we have to remember. So if you're on a carnivore or a keto diet to address pre diabetes or diabetes or you suspect that you're metabolically just you know you have metabolic dysfunction well, then I wouldn't be and, eating you know even um a, a moderate carb diet correct
0: correct and and um didn't wasn't the latest statistic like 93 percent of Americans are metabolically unhealthy Super high. So here's what we know. Here's what we know, not necessarily from a lot of science, but just a lot of results. We know that when you are metabolically unhealthy, which is about 93% of the people in the country, the lower carb you eat, the faster you resolve your problems. All the way down to zero carb carnivore, that will fix the problems better than 30 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have and to eat have that to way the rest of your life. It means you eat that no, way because no. we solve all the problems faster. And you just said, once you solve those problems, now we can go look at eating some carbs again and fruit and honey and sweet potatoes. And yeah. we've been talking about that forever. I think we're just really, you know, Saladino's helped a lot. We're really starting to understand it better. But it's why you hear me kind of really pushing towards the carnivore, very, very low carb because the people who need our help really need it. And that's the fastest way to get healthier.
1: Yes. And I completely agree with you. So it is important to recap that the quality of the food matters a lot more than the quantity. Yep. So, you know, and, and then, and then also, you know, take into account, are you metabolically broken when, when, Unfortunately, it's a lot more people than you, would, than you would assume that are not flexible and cannot switch between burning fat for energy and burning sugar for energy. If you cannot switch between those, that's flexibility right there. That means that you're metabolically flexible. You can burn either or. But if you are relying on burning sugar for energy, you will never tap into burning fat for energy it just it's not it's not possible and so those people so if there are if they're on keto or carnivore diet to address these blood sugar imbalances or metabolic dysfunction then you don't want to be eating carbs in the diet you want to focus on removing the carbs removing the processed foods and the seed oils eating meat and fat. From grass-fed animals, including organs in your diet, getting adequate minerals in your diet, engaging in regular exercise and hot and cold exposure to help benefit your metabolism as well as your stress levels. You know, all of these things are going to be critical. And then once you're able to get that blood sugar in a more balanced place, then I say start really tracking it using a continuous glucose monitor or a keto mojo. And then you can start, you know, in reintroducing carbohydrates, starting with the less toxic ones like some fruit and some, you know, some vegetables like fermented foods and stuff like that and see which, you know, are you getting a huge spike? And if you're not getting a huge glucose spike, then you're in a good place and you know that, that you're fine eating those. If you are still getting that spike, then it's not time to, to introduce those yet.
0: Great stuff. I think that's a pretty
1: good kind
0: of yeah thumb. yeah great stuff. All right, Lauren, we are going to wrap this up for today, and uh, I'm going to skip um, the live Q and A, and I'll leave it completely up to you whether you want to do it or not.
1: Actually, I'm totally fine with that because it's my birthday, and I'm going to go to a uh, late lunch.
0: What? <laughs> it's your birthday. How did I not know that? Happy birthday. <laughs> Holy thank cow! Thank you,
1: thank you very much.
0: Yeah, what are you twenty eight now?
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: wish.
1: <laughs> no, I'm embracing my forties. I'm no way. <laughs> oh yeah, really? I'm the big yeah. I'm the big four one today. Oh
0: four one! Wow. Huh? I didn't I know, know that, that by the way. Was the big one, so. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations! I That's awesome.
1: I, I look younger than I am. Yeah, so you definitely. I'm embracing it.
0: Yes, you definitely do. <laughs> well, good, then. We're going to skip it today. Uh, we worked pretty hard today, so we're going to skip it. You're going to enjoy your birthday lunch, and Lisa and I are actually going to go wander around and look at property today, I think.
1: Oh, good. Well, you enjoy that. And keep me
0: posted. Yeah, we will do. Well, great stuff today. We finally got to that carbohydrate thing, and I'm glad we did because you did some awesome research on it. Well. Well presented today, so thank you for that. And uh, anything you want to close with?
1: No, I think that pretty much covers it. We covered carbohydrates, so now we've done fats, proteins, and carbs. We covered all of the macronutrients, and we'll start diving into some to some other stuff here for the next show. I'm not sure what we're going to cover yet, and I don't want to announce it because I don't want to uh, let uh, anyone down if we don't cover it.
0: Yeah. Well, good. See what, good.
1: What next week brings.
0: I'll look forward yeah. to it. All right. Well, great stuff. Go enjoy your birthday lunch and your birthday.
1: I will. Thank
0: all you. Right. Thank You're you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. We will see you back here tomorrow. We'll have a free for all in the first hour and rolling toe after that. If you're not listening on the app, you really should be. Go get it. It's awesome. If you haven't been to our store in a while, we have so much new stuff in there. Really, really great food to take with you on the truck. I can't even begin to list it all. There's just too much. But check it out. Let's truck.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.